Psalm chapter 9, and look at verse 17, and let's read this verse in unison, I'm pausing at the punctuation mark, Psalm chapter 9, verse 17, the Word of God says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations that forget God. And let's pray. Lord, help us tonight as we take this time that's set aside to investigate your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us. Give me the words to say. Give us ears to hear. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. I had something else I was going to preach this evening, but after the message this morning, uh, I sensed that the Lord wanted me to continue on with just give you a few more thoughts about this idea of forgetfulness. It's probably something that we don't talk about often enough. This morning we preached a message, Choose to Remember, and that's online on the website. You can uh, check that out if you missed it. But tonight I want to talk about uh, the result of forgetfulness. The result of forgetfulness. What happens when we forget? And this morning we talked about bad things happen when we forget. But this evening I'd like to take just some, some uh, time in the scripture and show you the result of forgetfulness and some things people forget uh, and how that leads to bad situations. We look at Psalm chapter 9 and verse 17 as our starting place. And I'm just going to dive right in. It's not going to be a, a terribly long sermon tonight. I just want to give you these thoughts and give us something to think about on uh, Memorial Day weekend. But let me give you uh, five thoughts this evening, and then we'll go to the house. Number one, forgetfulness is a characteristic of the lost that leads to hell. Forgetfulness, we could say it easier, forgetfulness leads to hell. I often say that most people are going to live a whole life on this earth and never spend 15 minutes thinking about their soul and what happens to them when they die. I think about that. You would think that that would be something to consider. I think in the days gone by, I think that mortality was something that was more on the forefront of people's minds. You know, thinking back to Brother Ken's uh, memorial service we had recently, part of his testimony is he grew up when polio was killing people. And they would dread when the summer came because they didn't realize what polio was and how to stop it. And every summer, people in this community would get polio and either die or sometimes have to live in an iron lung. One of the gentlemen that comes to church, uh, Brother Bob Caparelli, he'd come often on Sunday mornings. Most of you don't know, he spent some years in an iron lung. Think about that. Uh, And thankfully, God gave him the strength to be able to get out of that. But there was a time in his life when he was confined and could not breathe without medical help. And that thing was almost like a, uh, it was basically a prison uh, that would help people breathe. Uh, But how often, you know, honestly, this week, did you think about, man, I might die? In America, we're so safe, we often don't have to think about those things. When COVID first came out and we didn't know what it was, and it was pretty scary, they were talking about mortality rates of upwards of 10%. 
uh, and, and all the scary craziness. COVID came, came to light in March. Uh, you may not remember, but I got COVID, and my wife and I got COVID in March of 2020, uh, and end of March, beginning of April, and nobody knew what it was. And we didn't know what was going to happen to us. It was breathing felt weird, and I had burning all the way down my my trachea. And man, it was tough to breathe sometimes. And but probably more, it was spawned on you know the imagination of hearing all these terrible things. Uh, my family was sending us things and vitamins, and my mom and my sisters sent a text saying they were afraid that I was going to die because nobody knew what it was. Uh, and it was deadly for some, of course, but thank God for most people, it, it was not. Uh, but when's the last time that we were really confronted with, hey, I might die? You know, we had brothers and sisters all over the world today. Uh, what about believers in North Korea? You know, they, they say... People that study this thing say North Korea is the most dangerous country on the planet for a born-again Christian. Think about that. What about Muslim countries where it's illegal to own a Bible? It's illegal to proselyte your friends. Uh, I know a missionary who was in the, the main train station in Tehran, Iran, passing out Bibles and they were there for three hours. They, they had just run out of their Bibles, and nobody turned them in because they could have gone to, to jail for many years, probably never to be seen again. And uh, someone finally came to them and said, hey, the police are on their way. They heard that you were here after three hours. They just passed out their last Bible. They spent three days on the run hiding throughout the city, waiting until the police got off their trail. Uh, what about the believers in China that don't go to the approved church state that says whatever the Chinese government wants him to say. Every week around the world, our Christian brothers and sisters are imprisoned and punished and uh, murdered for their faith. And yet we in America, are we don't have to deal with those problems, thankfully. And that's a good thing. But the, the bad side of that is most Americans are going to live and die without ever spending 15 minutes thinking about their soul. They have the luxury of saying, well, there's no God. And, well, when you die, it just all, all ends. And I tell people that, that atheism sounds good until you start to die. It's kind of nice to live thinking that you can do whatever you want and you're God and there's no consequences but when you're faced with your own mortality, when you're faced when, when a loved one goes into that great beyond, that's a cold and empty place, friend. And one thing we don't fully comprehend or think about, I think, is that forgetfulness leads to hell. I just didn't think about my soul. You're probably going to end up in hell. I just didn't think about the Bible. I just didn't, I forgot the Bible. I, I, I forget it's there, and I just, that leads to hell. I, I just didn't think about Jesus. That leads to hell. And the Bible says here very click, clearly, the wicked shall be turned into hell. In this day and age where 
criminals are not punished to the extent of the law, and oftentimes uh, law-abiding citizens are punished and the criminals are not. It happens almost every week. Uh, just at, I think it was in the UK this week, they, they were having a demonstration blocking the road. One guy got out and physically started moving people out of the road. And the police didn't come and arrest the people blocking the, the main road. They came and arrest the guy who made people move so that the traffic could move. Uh, and all kinds of crazy situations. The world's upside down. And so there's a whole lot of people that think, well, God's just going to let everybody, God's just going to work it all out. How many of you have ever talked to someone that says, well, God's just going to let everybody in heaven? Well, that sounds nice until you start talking to him. Oh, so Hitler's going to go to heaven? Well, not Hitler. Jeffrey Dahmer's going to go to heaven? He ate people. Well, of course not him. So some people are going to heaven and some people aren't. Yeah. Who's going to heaven? Most people. Says who? That's what I think. <laughs> you know, it's like, What? They base, they base their entire eternity on things that they've never thought through and perhaps never even considered. The wicked shall be turned into hell. Look at verse 16 of this chapter. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. Well, God's love, he's not going to judge anybody. No, the Lord is known for his judgment. And the number one Trait of God found in the scriptures is not love, although thank God for love. It's holiness. God is holy above all else. God is sinless. He is holy. He is entirely separated from sin. He will do the right thing. And he tells us the wicked shall be turned into hell. Well, you might want to take some time to think about what is hell. I was talking to my... Son, this morning, and we, we were talking back and forth about some different religions, and, and uh, he had a question or two about the Catholic Church, and, you know, this idea of purgatory. What's well, purgatory? Oh, it's like temporary hell. You go to hell for a little bit, and then you pay for some of your sins, then you can go to heaven. Do you know that's not found in the Bible anywhere? There's nowhere in the Bible that talks about a temporary hell or a hell for a little bit. Well, you're not good enough to go to heaven, but you can go to purgatory until your sins are cleansed and you go to heaven. Folks, there's nothing in the Bible that talks about that. The Bible's very clear. There's two eternal destinations, one heaven with God, one hell in the wrath of God, uh, paying for your sins for eternity. And so this idea that forgetfulness is a characteristic of the lost, it literally leads people to hell. We remind ourselves when we go soul winning that we're going to go out in the community and talk to people about God that haven't thought about God all day or all week or all month or sometimes years. We're going to point to people to a heaven that they haven't thought about in a long time. But that's part of our job is to almost have a spiritual intervention that says, you know, I know you've got a nice house and you've got a nice job and you're fairly healthy right now. But there's a God in heaven that wants you to, to go to be with him someday. And one of these days, you're going to stop living on this earth. What happens then? And sometimes they don't like that reminder, do they? But boy, when they accept it, they're grateful for it. We had a help day uh, in Warwick. Uh, Save New England had a sponsored a help day. And we helped out uh, Pastor Caleb Hall, our Friendship Baptist Church, and we had nine guys there, uh, plus his, 
Caleb and his sons. There were 11 of us total, and we broke up into groups and went out through the community. And I was with Brother Thomas Michael, and uh, we got to see somebody saved. He started the conversation, and then it was so funny. At one point, uh, she was asking some questions, and she had a situation with, with her uh, as a grandma that uh, the daughter had trouble, so the, the grandma's raising the granddaughter, and there's trouble over here, and so she had a lot of questions, and Brother Michael was giving her the gospel, and he's like, Pastor Chapman will help you with these things. <laughs> so I was a silent partner, and uh, he, he just kind of turned the conversation over to me, and thankfully God gave wisdom, and we were able to lead her to the Lord. We talked for probably 20 minutes after that. She was so thankful. She said, I'm so thankful you all came by today. I just can't believe that, that, you, that today's the day you came by. And uh, she was very grateful. And we kept knocking on doors. We would split up every once in a while because up there there's, it's more of an urban community. And if we saw someone walking down the road, we'd split up. And one of us would go to a door and one of us would take who's walking. And he uh, met another guy on the street and had a, had a good conversation with him. And that man bowed his head and trusted Christ right, right there on the sidewalk and supposed to go to church. And, you know, that's, that's what we do, though. We go into the world reminding people there's a God, you have a soul, there's a heaven, there's a hell, Jesus paid the way, what's going to happen to you? Uh, and thank God we find those ones that are receptive to the gospel. So forgetfulness can tr- literally lead one to hell. By the way, the, the interpretation here, the, of course, each verse has one interpretation, one thing the verse is saying in many applications Specifically here, the Bible's talking about nations that forget God. I think you can see that our nation is forgetting God. You know, President Barack Obama said uh, in, a, in a derogatory way, whatever our nation once was, it is no longer a Christian nation. What do you mean, whatever it once was? All you got to do is read true history and find out that America was not started by a bunch of slave owners looking for bigger plantations. It was not started by just a bunch of rich people looking for wealth. America was in large part founded by people who were looking for religious freedom so they could serve God in the way that they saw fit. And there's been a a big push now. Children are taught nowadays that, of course, America wasn't a Christian nation. I mean, that's what they're taught. Of course it wasn't. What are you talking about? You can go online, and I've said this. I remember the first time it happened, I would go online and look for quotes of the Founding Fathers, just look them up on Google, and you'd find them. And then one year I started noticing it was getting harder to find them, and then I started noticing that if you look up a quote by George Washington, it's like, well, did George Washington really say this? Or, well, this is what George Washington really meant. Or you look up a quote by George Washington, well, George Washington wasn't a very good guy. And you actually, over time, you could see the Google search results changing, prioritizing disinformation about something, even as the founding fathers. There was a rumor probably 10 years ago where they were talking about Abraham Lincoln was gay. It's like, where did this come from? Say, what? We're just rewriting history now where, of course, Abraham Lincoln was was gay and this and that. And it's, it's insanity. What you're seeing is... America as a nation is forgetting its roots. And the further we get away from God, the deeper into darkness our nation plunges. So 
forgetfulness as a characteristic of the loss that leads to hell. Let me say number two, forgetfulness leads to wickedness. Forgetfulness leads to wickedness. Look at Proverbs chapter 2. We're in the book of Psalms. Turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2. Fantastic chapter. Contrasting the difference between knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, uh, and how that will deliver us from the evil man and the, the evil woman. Look at verse 16, to deliver thee from the strange woman, either from the stranger which flattereth her words, verse 17, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. Now the, the strange woman has an interpretation application. The strange woman here specifically in Proverbs speaks of immoral women trying to trap men into immoral relationships. And make no mistake about it, there is always someone out there that will compromise themselves to compromise you. Make no mistake about it. Men, you be careful at work. You be careful with the the relationships you have at work. You be careful with the conversations you have, with with where you let your thoughts go. Ladies, you be careful uh, with, with the interactions that you have uh, with men. Listen, it's, it's pretty tempting whenever things are rough at home and you and your family are trying to work through some stuff and there's someone over here being really nice to you. And without the stress and without the problems and conversations nice and now you find out that they're interested in you a little bit more than a co-worker or a friend, you be careful of that. There's strange women out there. There's strange men out there. And a lot of people get trapped in that mess. The Bible even says this, that uh, the adulterous woman will hunt for the precious life in the book of Proverbs. So you young men who are trying to keep yourself clean and pure, especially you grow up in a Christian home, There are women out there that will seek you out and try to corrupt you. They'll take it as a personal challenge to corrupt you. you got to understand that. You young young ladies uh, growing up in church or you're here in in church tonight, you know better, you're you're becoming a young lady, uh, you're, you're getting to be beautiful on the outside as well as on the inside. There are young men out there that will hunt you down pick you out of a crowd, and take it as their personal mission to corrupt you. You better believe it. You men who go to work and you, you, you're moral and you, you have some character and you treat women nicely, you better believe there's women out there that will try to hunt you down and separate you from the crowd and corrupt you. And same thing with you ladies. There's nothing more beautiful than a Christian feminine woman who loves God And you shine like a star in a dark night in this crazy world in the midst of every other woman that's showing the world everything they have and has a filthy mouth and all of this other stuff. There is nothing so beautiful as a a chaste, committed Christian woman. And you better believe there's men out there that would would, uh, say anything and do just about anything to corrupt you. Is that what the Bible says? The Bible warns us about this stuff. Proverbs chapter 5, Proverbs chapter 6, 
you ever get tempted, read those chapters. It'll help you get back in, into track. But here, notice that this woman, the strange woman, speaks of primarily uh, immoral women, but then as an application and, and as an, an illustration, the strange woman in the book of Proverbs speaks of false religion. So false religion is a seductress. It knows how to seduce people into its web, uh, and uh, that's a good study on its own. But notice here this, this young woman, this strange woman, she flatters with her words. She's a seductress. But verse 17, she forsakes the guide of her youth. She had a decent upbringing. She knows better, but she's chosen a different way. And there are some people like that. There's some people that grew up in good Christian homes. They've just chosen to go a different way. There are some people, they, they know better, but they've just chosen to go a different way. And you have to love them from a distance. Hey, I love you. I care about you, but I'm not going that direction. And can two walk together except they be agreed? You have to, to separate yourself sometimes from people you care about deeply so that you don't get caught in the web of wickedness. But notice here that... Uh, Verse 17, she forgetteth the covenant of her God. She just forgets, doesn't think about that. Uh, as I said this morning, you know, David wouldn't have sinned with Bathsheba if in that moment of temptation he would have remembered. And Satan will work very hard to get us to forget some things so that we're more pliable and open to temptation. So forgetfulness leads to hell. Forgetfulness leads to wickedness. Look at Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. And we see a, an admonition here. And look at verse 4. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Why? lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. So it's, it's not good for people who are responsible, people who are leaders, people that have responsibilities. Those people shouldn't drink. Matter of fact, the Bible, uh, there's a lot of confusion today about social drinking. Uh, and some people say, well, it's okay if you don't get drunk. And others are like, don't drink at all. I'm in the camp, don't drink at all. Now, you may not agree with that, and that's okay, but... You're hard-pressed to give me any number of list or any list of the good benefits from alcohol other than medicinal purposes. And if drunkenness is the standard, and I think that's clear in the Bible, the Bible says you shouldn't get drunk, but I think also verses like in Proverbs say don't even look at it, don't go near it, don't drink it. But most people say, well, uh, those who say drunkenness is the line, most of them don't understand drunkenness. They don't know what the line for drunkenness is. Where is the line for drunkenness? Do you know that drunkenness depends on how much you weigh? Drunkenness depends, how quickly you get drunk depends on your body weight. It depends on whether you've had food or not. It depends on what kind of alcohol you're drinking. There's a lot of variables, and that's why anybody I've ever talked to that drinks Almost everybody has accidentally gotten drunk at one point or another because it's so hard to tell where that line is. A medical fact that's interesting is, is 
alcohol is processed differently from the rest of the food you drink, your stomach sends alcohol directly into the bloodstream. It bypasses the, the normal digestive system, and it just puts it directly in the bloodstream. That's why a lot of times uh, they will use small amounts of alcohol in medicine to get the medicine into your body that much faster. This is an interesting thought. Uh, but wherever you stand on it, we understand that a, an awful lot of bad has happened because of drinking. You've also got to understand that alcohol today is very different from alcohol in the Bible. A strong drink in the Bible, of course, would be like the hard liquors today, but even the wine of the Bible, even, and of course, the word wine. They had one word for, for grape juice and for uh, alcoholic beverage, and we can do a Bible study and show you that very clearly. So you have to depend on the context to find out what the Bible's saying. But the, the wine in the Bible had a much, much lower alcohol content than even wines today. Uh, and so it, it's not apples to, to apples whenever you're comparing, uh, even on, an, on every level. Most people, when they talk about drinking and the Bible, they're just not, they, they don't have all the information thinking about it clearly. And folks, I'm, I come from a family that knows the, the difficulties alcohol brings. And some of you know that, the... The majority of violent acts in America have alcohol, they're alcohol related. The majority of fatal crashes in America, alcohol related. And the list just goes on and on. Families breaking up, abuse situations with parents abusing children, uh, a husband abusing a wife or vice versa. And by the way, this isn't just men getting drunk anymore. I've gotten calls where the wife's gotten drunk and beat up the husband. So this, this, goes, this goes both ways and cuts every direction. And if, if you differ in what I'm saying today, then I'd love to sit down and have a conversation with you about it and, and look at these things. But the Bible is very clear, even in our text here, that leaders, if, if, you're, if you want your life to be put together, don't drink. Now what's interesting in the Bible, you find these kings often having these drunken feasts. And God here is telling the kings, if anybody shouldn't drink, it should be the king. Why? Because the decisions you make affect a lot of people. And when you drink, your judgment is skewed and people get hurt. And that what it says, verse 4, it's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes strong drink. Why? By the way, princes are those who aren't kings but are in line to be kings. So maybe you're not a king today, but you would like to be a responsible person someday. You would like to have your life put together someday. Don't drink. Why? Verse 5. Lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the judgment of any of the afflicted. But then he tells us who to give strong drink to. Verse 6. Give strong drink unto him that is ready to what? Perish and wine to those that be of heavy hearts or, or their depression is overtaking them. Basically, if you want to let somebody drink, let those who are, who are at the point of death drink. 
Let those who are so depressed, they're so heavy that they've basically given, given up on life, let them drink, verse 7, let him drink and what? Forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. Now this is not God saying give them liquor. It's saying if you're going to let anybody drink, let those who have given up drink. And it's basically a form of self-medication. We see that a lot today, don't we? A lot of people drink and do drugs to forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. They're trying to forget. They're trying to forget something that happened to them or they're trying to forget something they've done to other people, but they're trying to forget this self-medication. You know what's better than self-medication? Go to God and let God help you with whatever problem you're dealing with. Get healing. Get healing. He's talking to a guy and he says, well, you know, I just, I have to smoke some pot because I've had a stressful day and I get stressed out and I just need a little weed to calm down. And he was a Christian who, who knew better and I said, you know, God gave us prayer so we could calm down. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. Well, I just, you know, I have a little wine and it just kind of calms me down and just kind of cheers me up. Well, I thought that's what the Holy Spirit was for. Be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess be filled with the Spirit. What's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy. What you find is these things are crutches. They actually come between us and the Lord they hinder us from having a healthy process to negative thoughts and emotions, and they become a barrier between us and spirituality rather than allowing God to help us and learning to lean on Him. You know, same thing with the cigarette. I just, I just, I gotta have a cigarette. I just, oh, it just helps me, helps me calm down. You know, you have a Savior that created everything that is. I think He can help you calm down without taking a light. By the way, how much are cigarettes now? Ten bucks a pack. Sometimes I'll tell people if, if um, everybody's afraid to say how much. <laughs> you know, it's like, I know how much they are. <laughs> yeah, you know, my dad smoked Marlboro Lights for forever. Yeah, ten, twelve dollars, seventeen maybe if you're if you're getting the, the high end stuff. My dad smoked Marlboro Lights for, for his whole life since he was like 10 years old. You know, he was never a cowboy. He was never the Marlboro man. But it did hurt his lungs. It did hurt his health. My dad drank Pap's Blue Ribbon beer for most of his life. You know, turned his eyes yellow. He was a functioning alcoholic, thankfully. Didn't, he never really missed work because of it, but as much as I loved him, if you called him after 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, he'd be slurring his words. Yeah, I, I know an awful lot of bad that's happened because of all this stuff. And we've got to understand that some people drink to forget their sad condition. They drink to forget, but forgetfulness leads to more problems. You know, if, if you get drunk and forget your situation, when you get sober, your situation's not better, it's worse. If you get high to forget your situation, when you 
when you come down off that high, your situation is not better, it's worse. If you go sleep around because you're, you're trying to forget something and you stop that and you come back to your senses, it's not better, it's worse. But you take your problems to God, you get some real help with the deep traumas of life and the situations of life, and we can see some, some help. Let me give you two last ones here. Jeremiah chapter 2. Is this interesting to you? Jeremiah chapter 2. <clears throat> And one of the saddest scriptures of the Bible, one of these days I'm going to write a little book called The Saddest Verses in the Bible. And there's probably five or ten of them. And every time I read them, I'm just like, man, that is so sad. That just, so sad. And this is one of those portions of scripture that's just so sad to me. Look at Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32. Can a maid forget her ornaments? Or a bride forget her attire? Can you imagine a lady getting dressed and forget, or getting married and forgetting to put on her dress? Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. Isn't that sad? God's people forgetting about their God. You know, it's a sad thing if you go to church today and then... You don't think about God all week until next Sunday? That'd be a sad thing. And we learn in this, number four, backsliders forget God. See, if you forget God, if you remember God, then you want to stay close to Him. If you forget God, you get involved in sin. When you get involved in sin, you almost have to forget about God or you get under conviction And so one day turns into two, two turns into three, one year turns into 20. And backsliders forget God. Isaiah 17.10 says, Because thou hast forgotten the God of thy salvation, hast not been mindful of the rock of thy strength, therefore shalt thou plant pleasant plants, and shalt set it with strange slips. So again, you've forgotten me. And because you've forgotten me, bad things are going to happen. Let me show you this last one, James chapter 1. This is an interesting passage of Scripture that always, it's so visual and such an understandable illustration. James chapter 1, the portion of Scripture talks about the the doers of the word versus the hearers of the word. Verse 22, but be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So God says, if you hear the word and don't do it, you're deceiving yourself but you should hear the word and do what the word tells you. And look at verse 23. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. So, Hearing the Bible and walking away and not obeying the Bible is the same as you looking in the mirror and walking away and forgetting what you look like. You walk away and you forget what color your hair is. You forget what color your eyes are. You forget what you look like. You forget the bad things and you forget the good things. You just don't even think about it. My wife and I always joke, you know, on these uh, policemen, whenever they, there's a crime and they, someone, there's a witness, they always... Uh, bring someone out and say, 
we're going to make a sketch of the, the criminal. And uh, they have a guy there that sketches out the criminal based on what he would say. And my wife and I always joke, and she says, there's no way in a million years I would ever know what to say. You know, what shape are his eyes? I don't know. What did his chin look like? I don't know, he had a gun in my face. <laughs> you know, it's like he's got a three fifty-seven in your face robbing and you're supposed to remember the color of his eyes. It's like, I don't know, I could tell you what color the gun was. Uh, what, what, what were his eyebrows like? What, what shape were his ears? It's like, I have no idea. But imagine if someone told you to describe yourself, if you were to close your eyes right now and try to tell, describe what you look like to a blind man, you could probably have some idea. This is the collar hair I have. This is my collar, my eyes, and, and some different features. And what's interesting about this verse is it's, it's an absurd thing to look in the mirror and then walk away and not know what you look like. And it's just as absurd to listen to what the Bible has to say and then walk away and not do it. But the key here is you don't just walk away and not do it. You walk away and forget that you ever heard it. Some people heard the message this morning, and whether they were moved or not in the pew, by the time they got home, they couldn't tell you what, they, what I preached about this morning. Sometimes I can't remember what I preached about a week from now. If you ask me what I preached last Sunday, I'd have to stop and think about it, because I've got so many other things and, and sermons and stuff that, that are, are going on in preparation. But the, the Bible here is talking about a hearer of the word can hear the word and walk away and never think about it again. It's almost like that parable Jesus told where the sower went forth to sow and he's casting the seed and the evil one is like those birds that come and eat the seeds before they could take root. I firmly believe that Satan does everything he can do to help you forget what you heard in church. As soon as you walk out those doors... He does everything he can do to help you forget what you heard. But that's like someone looking in a mirror and forgetting what they said. Here's the last one. Casual hearers of God's word forget what they've heard. They couldn't tell you what the sermon's about. They couldn't remember, and because of that, they never did it. So here we see the results of forgetfulness. Number one, forgetfulness is a characteristic of the lost that leads to hell. Number two, forgetfulness leads to wickedness. Number three, some people drink to forget their sad condition. Number four, backsliders even forget God. And number five, casual hearers of God's word forget what they've heard. And the, the admonition from this morning is still, still true. We need to choose to remember. You choose to remember. Forgetting is rarely a good strategy unless you're choosing to forget things that you, you shouldn't hang on to. For example, God's chosen to forget our sins. You know, if someone hurt you, that might be a good thing for you to deal with God and then choose to forget it. If your husband, your wife said something to you that was hurtful, it's a good thing to you try to talk it out if you can, 
take it to God, get healing, and then choose to forget it and not bring it back up. One of the characteristics of, of true love is thinketh no evil. Thinketh no evil literally means to keep a record of wrongs. If you truly love someone, one of the ways you show your love is, I'm going to choose to forget your transgressions against me because we dealt with that with God. The problem with us is we forget all the things we should remember and we remember the things we should forget. So tonight, let's choose to remember God and the things we should remember. And let's choose to forget the things that we need to let go of anyway. Amen? Father, thank you for the truth. We're grateful that the Bible speaks and gives us so much information on every subject imaginable. And these are practical things, Lord, that we need to be reminded of. 